We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Pacer Nation, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I want to thank all of our pace setters out there for tuning in to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm joined. He's back. It's Michael, the father of Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, the father is in the building. Look, always happy to talk Pacer basketball, but Alex, when free agency is around the corner, it just has you looking at our options, seeing the Pacers with the fourth most salary cap space, saying mm. to yourself, anything could happen. Anything could happen is exactly right. So today we're doing our list. We're doing a top 10 free agency list podcast because that is the most fun thing to do during this time is look at the potential players the Pacers could go after. Maybe some are a little bit more unrealistic than the others, but I think you got to give yourself a chance here. And with all the money they have, it makes a lot of sense to consider all options. So, you know, Fachi, I'm curious how your list looks. I'm sure we'll have a lot of overlap, maybe not in the same position, but I'm curious where you start your list off at. Well, we're going to start with number 10. And obviously that's always the, the least sexiest name on the list. But when you're looking at, we know the Pacers aren't going to sign anywhere near 10 guys. In reality, they might make their moves through the trade market, but they might very well sign a guy or two if they move a guy or two. But number 10 on my list, that's Matisse Thibel. Now, Thibel didn't probably quite live up to what people hoped. Uh a lot of times they saw him as what could be a lockdown defender. He is still a very good defender. The three-point shot's been there. I think this is someone that could come cheap and help a team defensively. I don't think he ranks high on Portland's list of players to resign. resign. So I think that he could very well be available and you know make some sense for the Pacers. No, I think Matisse Stiebel's an interesting name. Definitely helps with the defensive side of things. Uh, not a shooter whatsoever. No. And so he that's three it. and D that that's about it. You're not, he's not going to create for himself. Is he a good three point shooter? I don't know what his numbers are. Three points. Yeah. I, I have them up right here. So uh, last year with Portland on about four, three point tests per game, he shot 39%. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Other than that, you know, it's, it's a little wishy washy. His, his rookie year, he shot 36% from three, but he took on a bigger role in Portland last year, playing about 28 minutes per game. So that makes me feel like, you know, when you gave him more touches, he was able to produce more than just taking, say, you know, one and a half three pointers a game. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's interesting. When I, whenever I think of Matisse Tabla, I think of a non-shooter. I think of a guy that's not a threat on the offensive side, but really good defensively. Because you know, Philly, they got rid of him. They were trying to get rid of him, and to me, it's just like, okay, this is a guy that he's fine. He does one thing really well, and that's defend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he can be an offensive liability. I, I think that at ten. Perfectly fine name to take yeah. a flyer on. Wouldn't pay him a bunch of money, and that's kind of where I'm going to go with no. my number 10 here, Fachi, um, unless you have anything else you want to say about Thibel. 
No, I would just say for Thibault, I mean, look, last year averaged 1.7 steals. Uh, the year before that, 0.9. Previously, 1.7, 1.6. So for his career, he averages a steal and a half per game. A lot of that was playing in Philly where you're playing on, on you know, in games that matter. So I think that at times he was trusted, but without that true offensive side to his game, it didn't make sense for Philly to pay him on that second contract. So I think they made a good move to to move on. I see him more as a role player in this league. All right, Pachu. The next person or the first person on my list at number 10 is a guy that shot a, a 40% or greater from three the last five seasons. Ooh. Have any idea who I'm talking about? Mm, I mean, I would expect a Cam Johnson to come way higher on the list, but I don't yeah. think he ne- necessarily shot 40% each year. No, this is former Pacer and friend of Tyrese. Uh, George, George Niang. Niang. George Niang is the guy I put here at number 10. Makes a lot of sense to me because he does play position of need. He is a 46 foot seven. He is not a good defender whatsoever, but um, you know, good rotational player. I think he played about 18, 19 minutes last year for Philadelphia. The year before that, played 22.8 minutes and started a game last year, but mostly came off the bench. I think as like a secondary guy off your bench, he could make a lot of sense. Um, I personally see him more as a power forward. Don't really see him as a small forward. Have to figure out what they're going to do with Jairus Walker. But, um, you know, I think that with Jairus here, this might kind of keep him off the list unless they want to start Jairus right away. But I think Tyrese could really be intrigued by having George on his team because when they ask him who his best friend is, he always talks about George Niang. So this, to me, makes a lot of sense. This is a a 29-year-old. I can't believe he's already 29. The Pacers drafted him in 2016-17. He was 23 years old, played 23 uh, 23 games for his Fachi. So uh, I I think George Niang, we maybe gave up on him too early, and this could be our chance to bring him back. But definitely makes more sense to bring him back now because of his connection with Tyrese. Yeah, no doubt about it, we gave up on, on George way too early. And he's one of those players that, you know, I'll totally admit, I did not see this coming. No. Years later, he made you, you know, whoop your neck around real quick to be like, wait a minute, is that George Niang who used to play for the Pacers? Like, because he was actually playing solid minutes for Philly the last few years, playing over, you know, on average, about 20 minutes per game each of right. the last two years. And look, we mentioned really good three point shooter. Sure, you want to keep Tyrese Halliburton happy. Uh, both those guys have the ties to Iowa State. Uh, so it's not like this is just a move to have someone's friend on the roster. He is a really good shooter. But obviously, this is why he comes at number 10 on your list because <laughs> no one's looking for George Niang to be our starting power forward by any means. But good depth piece, especially when. You know, there's there's been some guys that we've tried at the four that struggled, like Jalen Smith's shot just was not there last year. So I could definitely see why uh, Niang's on your list, and he would have been an honorable mention on mine. Yeah, I mean, he's six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds. He uh, got a great. He's got two great nicknames here on Basketball Reference. The first one is Minivan, and the second Solid. one is the Closer. So okay, Ooh. why not? No. Uh, he just turned 30, actually, last week, June 17th, so about 10 days ago, so maybe about a week and a half ago, uh, just turned 30. So, yeah, he's definitely uh, on the older side, I guess you could say, <laughs> of this Pacers roster, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I think that him and him and Tyrese could be a good, you know, combo to have together. Not a, not a guy that I'm, you know, banging the table for, like, oh, we got to get him, but definitely a name to keep an eye on as like a – as a flyer kind of guy, if you end up making a deal and need to add somebody. I, I completely agree. And look, George Niang is coming off his last contract was two years, about $6.7 million. So it's not like you're going to be breaking the bank for him by any means. And I think that he would like to go somewhere where a, he has a role and B you could be playing, you know, paying him a little bit more than the $3.3 million that he was making last year, which would not be a problem for the Pacers. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob, Next- I'm ready for number nine. Next on my list, while we might not be able to get his brother, this is Jalen McDaniels, okay? Now, look, yes, he's not the all-defensive type uh, of player that Jaden is, but he is six foot nine. He could defend, shot the three ball well uh, last year. Philly, another team that, you know, we're talking about Philly a few times now. They traded for him from Charlotte. I don't think that he is a priority 
already there. While the sample size was small last year, just about one point, you know, close to one and a half threes per game. He shot 40% with Philly and in the past has shot 38% with Charlotte from three. So I do think that there's a lot to like about his game. Plays hard, more of a rotational piece, like a depth piece for the Pacers. Not a guy that you see as you're starting for but he's only 25 years old, and I do think that there is a lot to like for the, the former 52nd overall pick that has more than carved out a role in the NBA. Yeah, this is who I had a number nine as well, Fachi. So we Ooh, have one, okay. uh, we have one exact same here. So yeah, I mean, I like I love the two point percentage too, though, Fachi. Over 50% every single year. Uh career 54% two point shooter, which is very good. Uh three point shooting. Right above average, about 35%, 34.5%. You know, would love to see that be a little bit higher, but it is what it is. I think he's got the length, he's got the upside. This is a this is a kind of a I don't know when you'd make a swing on him, but probably in the second week of free agency, not somebody yeah. you're gonna go out there and get right away. But this is a guy that you you keep tabs on just to see what he can do. He's been in the league for four years, you know, play with Charlotte, played with Philly. I mean, I, I think he's an interesting player that could really you know, under the right coaching could could be a nice piece. So I'm intrigued by Jalen McDaniels quite a bit. It was somebody that I wanted us to trade for last year uh, from Charlotte. And, you know, Philly basically, I think Philly got rid of Matisse Thibel for him. So they did. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can't put Thibel ahead of McDaniels on your list after Philly traded away Thibel to get McDaniels, right? So is that what your thought process was there between the well, two? Well, no, it's like I know they were both moved at the deadline. I don't remember if it was a three-team deal or not. Obviously, Thibel yeah. went to Portland. Uh, Jalen went to the, the Sixers. Uh, so I don't know what it was, but they were both moved at the deadline. Either way, I feel that Jalen brings more to the game offensively than Thibel does. Oh, so yeah. you could play Jalen McDaniels and not feel that he's, uh, uh, you know, holding you back. Yeah, and I feel the same way. Um, I, I think he's a really intriguing player. So uh, I like that we both had him there at number nine. It feels like the right spot for him. He's not going to be a starter, in my opinion, guy that can come off the bench, provide some minutes, depending on how you want to, you know, make sure you figure out that four spot. But I'm curious who you have at number eight. Number eight is a guy who showed something last year. He had some moments, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, that's Trey Lyles. Okay. Six foot yeah, yeah, nine. Yeah. Power forward from Sacramento. What really opened up my eyes was game one against Golden State. 16 points, six boards in the playoffs. I, I just felt like he was playing hard. And this is someone who it took a while for him to come around because I remember at one point the Pacers were rumored to be drafting him when they went with Miles Turner. So, you know, I'm very happy how things worked out. But Trey Lyles is starting to come around. And he had he had some stretches for the Kings last year where I feel like he earned himself, you know, an increase in pay. In specific, mm -hmm. the month of March, he averaged, you know, it's not going to blow you away, but nine points, five and a half rebounds. He shot 38% from three, but had a stretch of scoring in double figures left and right, and that's as a backup. I would still see him as a backup, but I think that for a depth piece, you're going to be getting someone who's going to be playing hard, and I, I think that Trey Lyles is uh, starting to come around in the NBA. Man, I was in love with Trey Lyles in that, series against Golden State, I was like, man, this mm -hmm. guy is something that's really good. So I was not a big Trey Lyles fan when he uh, was in the draft. I was like, please, was I. I do not want the Pacers to take him. I didn't see it with him, and I still don't think he's a starter. So that's why I was no. like, don't do this here in the lottery. I think he's a good backup big. I think he's very solid. I can play the four or the five. Would definitely like him on this Pacers team if they were to able to be able to find the right playing time for him. Mm -hmm. I had him on my honorable mention. He was a guy that I okay. just cut off my list. Um I was really excited about him when I was talking about uh, the Kings Warriors series. I'm like, man, the Pacers should go after Trey Lyles. But uh, the Kings, I think everything I've been hearing about them, they want to bring him back and they want to bring somebody else in as well. And that's why I think maybe somebody else on their roster could be on the move that we'll talk about later. Um, there's been a lot of rumors around this guy and the Pacers. But yeah, I just I just feel like Trey Lyles would be a nice piece here as a backup big if they could find a way to bring him here. But um, I'll move over to my number eight, Fachi, and this young man is only 25 years old. He's hitting restricted free agency, so it's going to be a little bit more difficult to get him. His nickname on Basketball Reference is Hillbilly Kobe. I'm going with Los Angeles Lakers guard Austin Reeves. Now, I wanted to put him higher because I think Austin Reeves is an incredible basketball player. I think we've seen that enough from him. Like, you know, 
will he get overpaid kind of like Caruso did uh pry but Caruso really wasn't overpaid that much either so no, he wasn't yeah Lakers just the Lakers, out. yeah the Lakers cheaped out I don't think they'll do the same thing again but um he shot 39.8 percent from three last year so basically 40 percent was the third best player on the Lakers last season made it to the West Finals against the Nuggets I think he can defend he's got a very great basketball IQ would be an awesome piece on this team. I think he could start next to Matherin if they wanted to bring him in as a starter. The problem is you're going to have to overpay for him, Fachi. And that is a reason he's a little bit lower on my list because I don't want to spend all of our free agency money on a guy like Austin Reeves. Now, if he could do a sign and trade and bring him in here and maybe uh, trade Buddy Heald, who's on an expiring, and maybe you throw Chris Duarte in that trade or Daniel Tice, something like that, uh, to give the Lakers some compensation back and you can add him to your roster. I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, there's a lot of teams that could have interest in him. I've heard the Spurs connected to him. I've heard the Jazz connected to him. Uh, maybe even the Kings could be a team that's sneaky on him because they got like $36 million. They got more than the Pacers. But I just think Austin Reeves is a really good basketball player. Um, yeah, he's white, but I, I think, honestly, like he was so good in the playoffs that he justified for me that he could be a rotational player. And I think getting those kind of high basketball IQ players are players that Rick Carlisle loves. So I put him at eight. I don't want to put him too high. I don't want to get my hopes up. Don't want to oversell you on Austin Reeves. But I think if they could talk themselves into it, it'd be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, very interesting player that's going to have a lot of suitors, and that goes a long way for a guy that was undrafted. Yeah. So I think that, you know, Austin Reeves, I mean, what he did in the playoffs, I mean, in the Nuggets series, I know that didn't go the way uh, the Lakers hoped. Look at these numbers. 21.3 points per game on 55% shooting and 56% from three. Mm. Also averaged five and a half assists in that series. Yeah. I mean, he definitely defies the way he looks by his play because this man was killing it last year. I think he probably is the priority number one of the Lakers uh, as well as a few other uh, teams. Like Houston has the most salary cap space in the league and there there's talks of them going after him if they can't get James Harden as well. So, Interesting. I didn't have him on my list because I, I felt that the Pacers would have some serious competition for him. And we already do have a lot of talent at the guard spots. Sure, he could play. You can move him over to a, a three or whatever you want to do. If you want to math at the two, Reeves at three, whatever it is. I, I didn't have him on my list, but I can't knock you for having him because he's going to be one of the most coveted players in this free agency class. Yeah. And I mean, if they consolidate their roster at all via trade and stuff like that, that's why I think, yeah, you got to, you got to consider it, you know, and at yes. this point, if you can go out there and get a talent like this, you figure it out and get rid of other people behind him. You know what I mean? Uh, or yeah. people that are all in the same spot that he's in on your roster if you think he's going to significantly improve your team. So that's why I put him at eight. I'm curious now who you have at number seven. Number seven, we heard a little bit of whispers that the Pacers could be linked to this guy. That's Grant Williams. Okay. Uh, Grant Williams, I see as the odd man out for the Boston Celtics. Once they brought in Christoph Porzingis, it just felt like okay, this is a team that is already going to have a tough time, you know, adding anyone else. So how are they going to match any restricted free agency offers for Grant Williams? I like him. I don't love him. I do think he fits well with this Pacers team and does need a bigger role than what Boston gave him. But I don't think that when you bring in Grant Williams, you're also crowning this man as the starting power forward. I think he provides, you know, great depth to this team and it and has more to offer than what he showed in Boston. Yeah. I think Utah would have been a team to keep an eye on for him, yep. but with them trading for John Collins, I don't see that as much anymore because that front court's already going to be pretty stacked. Um, I Very can see, stacked. Yeah. I can see Sacramento also being a team that's interested in him because there's a lot of good things about Grant Williams. Um, I will talk about him a little bit later on my list. I don't want to spoil too much now, okay. but uh I, I think Grant Williams is an interesting player to talk about. But for me at number seven, this might seem a little bit low for this player, but I'm going to explain why. I've got Kyle Alexander Kuzma at number seven. And the reason I've got him lower, Fachi, is because if you look at his numbers, when he's put up big numbers, his team has not been very good. When he doesn't put up big numbers, it's because he's playing a lesser role. He's looking for the bag. And I'm a bit worried that he's going to want more than what the Pacers should offer him and what his actual value is. I don't think he's going to want a short-term deal. I think he's going to want a four-year deal. Absolutely. I think I think Kuzma is a very talented player, but I don't think he's going to be on that first wave of free agents that go out because I think 
one, he just cost. He's going to cost. It's going to be wanting too much money. He's going to cost too much. And I think other teams will try to find other players that might fit a little bit easier that might not cost as much money. So to me, that's why I put him at number seven. If he's here and he's a member of the Pacers and he's a power forward for our team and can play some three and some four, yeah, I'd love to see what he can do. I think he's going to have to be a lot more disciplined here than he was in Washington where he kind of had free reign to do whatever he wanted. Like he's not getting 18 shots a game in Indiana. He had 17.8 last year, 14.2 the year before that with Washington and the year that he kind of broke out for the Lakers. He had 15 and a half where he averaged uh, 18.7 points a game. Like he can put the ball in the basket. He's uh, a good shooter, but like his numbers have not been great from three, 33.8% for his career shot 33% last year, 34 the year before that uh, 36 before that. So I just feel like he's got potential defensively as well as a guy that can guard. Um, we saw it in LA, especially when they won the title in the bubble. Like, yeah, he could, he can go, he can defend when he needs to defend, but he needs to prioritize defense over offense if he's coming to the Pacers. So I just feel like it's a little bit more uh, of a muddy water there for him. Like it's not as clear of a path as maybe I can see for other guys, one and accepting their role and two for the cost with what the Pacers want to pay. So that's why I have him at seven, even though I think he's a, a very good player and I've advocated for him quite a few you times have. in this podcast. I like him. I just don't, I don't love him, but I do think he makes you better. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to say I'm stunned to have you have him at seven because I know, you know, you really wanted him at, at towards the trade deadline and things like that. Um, and, you know, I don't blame me. He's obviously coming off a career year. I do have him higher on my list, but your reservations are completely justified. This is not someone who's going to take a discount to come to Indiana. This man's looking for the bag. He's looking mm-hmm. for, for the, the Brinks truck backed up. And this guy views himself as a star, which – I don't really think many other people do, but uh, yeah, spoiler, he will be talked about again. Uh, next on my list, that's Rui Hachimura. Okay. I've, I've liked Rui for quite some time. I think that he was uh, poorly developed in Washington, being a former top 10 overall pick. I don't think that they've developed any of their youth, uh, if you go through for those guys for the Wizards. So it, it, You would know. Tough. I would know, but... You know, look, Ruby goes to the Lakers, and I think that he showed a lot of stuff, specifically in the playoffs. 27 points in game one against the Grizzlies. He had some big games, but also there really wasn't that defined of a role for him. Obviously, he didn't get as many touches on a team that's trying to win it all. But this is someone that I think can be, you know, a, a much better scorer. I think he could be a much better rebounder than what he's shown. I don't think you're going to be getting any, you know, lockdown stud at times. And the three-point percentage has been all over the place. One year, he shot about 45% from three. It hasn't been like that since. So it just makes me feel like different types of roles, playing in Washington, it, it hasn't been good for him. But just going through some playoff numbers for him now, I mean, let's talk about the Denver Nuggets series. He averaged 15.5 points, about four rebounds per game, shot 54% from the field. So that's you know when these games matter. Against Golden State, he had a game where he dropped 21 points, five boards, and then the first three games against Memphis, 29 points, six rebounds. He does it on 11 of 14 shooting, 20 and five on seven and 12 shooting, and 16 and five on six of 10 shooting. This man has more to offer. I think whatever team that he goes to next, he's going to have a more solidified role. And if you are the Pacers, my only fear is that if you bring in Rui, he's starter S when I don't know if he's really the guy that you want starting at the four. Now that you have Jairus Walker there, but I do think he's going to be cheaper than some of the other guys that I'm going to mention. No. And that makes a lot of sense, especially on the cost effectiveness of Ruby Hachimura. I had a feeling we were going to put him on your list. So I didn't feel worried about leaving him off because I did want to allow him that opportunity to be talked about, which I assumed you were going to talk about him because he is a former Washington wizard and a former uh, Los Angeles Laker, you know, to your two favorite teams. So the Lakers are in here now. Yeah, man. That's new to me. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about him a lot recently. So uh, <laughs> you brought up Austin Reeves first. I know. I'm just trying to make sure that you like my list, man. I got to, I got to impress you. Uh, right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I, uh, I like Rui Hachimura, but part of it is like, is he a three? Is he a four? What role does he want? Is he going to want to start? I mean, I kind of felt the same way. Like he was, not happy with his role in Washington. And I feel like there could be some redundancy with those same problems here with the Pacers. Like what is his role? Because I don't think he's a long-term starter right now. Maybe he could become that. Like we saw flashes of really good basketball from him with the Lakers 
but it was more of a necessity because they didn't have anybody else. So to me, it's like, yeah, there's definitely potential there with Rui Hachimura. And I was very intrigued by us going out and looking at him on a, on a low buy type of thing. Perfect but, situation. Would yeah. Have if we pulled trig, but you know, whatever. Yeah. And it happens, man. It happens. Like sometimes we just, we're more infatuated with players in the front offices and that's okay. So, you know, I like Rui Hachimura. Um, I'm glad you put him on your list. I think it's fair. Um, was that number six for you? Uh, I believe so. Let me uh, double check. Yep. Number okay. six. All right. I'm going to go to my number six. And this is a guy that's six foot eight with a seven foot three wingspan. He's a restricted free agent. He's a guy that I've been trying to get on this Pacers team for a while now via trades. And we've talked about him uh, not as much recently, but he's, he's a pretty solid guy. And uh, that's PJ Washington. Bachi. I think PJ Washington is a guy that could make some sense here because he can play small ball center. He can play power forward. I think there are some similarities between him and Jairus Walker. I just think Jairus is much more athletic. I think PJ is kind of built more like a David West type of build. Um, a guy that's not super athletic, but just a high basketball IQ. Um, his nicknames on basketball reference, which I just love looking at these, is Pistol and 3J. It's like, where do we get these names from? Uh, I don't know if Pistol's what a great idea. nickname to have uh, anymore. No, nah, not in the NBA. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my God. But uh, no, the numbers are pretty good. Shot. 51% from two for his career. Uh, the three-point shot, he's above 35%. He's 36.6 for his career as well. Um, free throws, about 71%. Not bad. Averages about 13 points a game. Would love to see his rebounds get a little bit higher. Only five and a half rebounds per game, and that's you know playing 30 minutes a game too. So you know, kind of similar numbers to Miles there without the blocks, but still averages a block a game as well. So I just feel like with that seven-foot-three wingspan, uh, I think his like standing reach is like eight foot nine. He's he's a guy that very young could come in here and, and make a difference. He's only let me see here. He's only twenty four years old. He'll be twenty five in August. So still very young. Fits the timeline. Could be a nice piece with this team. I think he could play. Uh, you know, with Jarius at the four and the five if they wanted to go a little bit smaller. Um, but I just think that maybe there's a little bit of redundancy there between the two. And if you sign PJ, you're probably going to sign him to a four-year deal. Don't think he can really play the three. And I don't think Jairus can play the three either. So I it might be a little bit crowded there if, if that were the case. So that'd be the only hesitancy about bringing him in because I feel like he's more of a four-five than he is a three-four. The very next name on my list was PJ Washington. Alex, okay. you and I have both liked him dating back to the draft. I remember being like, I just don't think he's going to be there when the Pacers are looking to pick. But that was someone that I've been interested in for a while. I don't think being in Charlotte did him any justice. No. I feel like he's been all over, you know, promising rookie year, then kind of, you know, leveled off a bit. Last year, career year in terms of scoring, but look how bad the team was. So it's hard to just judge off of, hey, look, you know, he's getting better. I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but he's only 24 years old. And I, I don't think he's really prioritized in Charlotte's plans. I do think they're probably going to bring back Miles Bridges. Um, the three-point shot for him has been very inconsistent. Feels like it's, you know, sometimes it looks really good. Sometimes it hasn't been as accurate. We'd like him to be a, a bit of a better rebounder. But to your point about Jarris Walker and him, that's where it does feel like, uh, man, like P.J. Washington's good, but is he good enough to for sure be your starting power forward? And it's got to be a four-year deal. In my opinion, I, I really mm -hmm. do think that that's what he would be looking for. Um, so I do have some questions there. Another guy who is six foot seven. So it's not like he is, you know, in that six foot nine or above. So you would like a little bit more size, but I can't say that I haven't been interested. And I do think he's probably someone that's going to be more in that range of four years, $60 million at about $15 million per year. That's kind of that range that I see him in, uh, which I, I, I don't think is a bad deal by any means. No, not at all. I mean, PJ Washington's a very interesting player. I just, I wonder about the fit with him and Jairus. That's the only concern I, I have. And, you know, maybe that's why the Pacers are like, you know what, he's a nice player, but that's the reason why we don't want to bring him in. There's too much redundancy and I can get that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, so I'm about to my number five here, Fajin. This is someone you brought up earlier. I said I had him higher on my list, and that is Grant Williams. The reason I have him higher than a guy like Kyle Kuzma and PJ Washington is because, one, I think he can buy into his role I agree. a little bit easier. Came off the bench in Boston. Uh, obviously, probably wants a bigger role going to a smaller market team. I can totally see that. But, man, this guy can defend. And and people act like he's not a good defender, but he is. I mean, yeah, nobody can stop Giannis, but he went toe-to-toe with Giannis in the Eastern Conference semifinals two years ago. And, you know, there were some plays where he actually did a really solid job on him. I mean, when I look at Grant Williams, this is a guy that I liked a lot in the draft class that he was in. I thought, man, if the Pacers can get him. I think that was the same year they drafted Goga, if I'm not mistaken. I could've, believe so. Could have yeah, been a holiday. Yeah, yeah. So I was just, yeah, I was like, man, I wanted Grant Williams over Goga. I was not a big Goga guy. I was like, we don't need a center. Um, no one was a Goga guy. Uh, yeah, nobody was. That's true. I talked myself into Goga after we drafted him. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a great Tried. pick. Yeah, it could be a mix of miles and dumbass. Okay, yeah, it's the stupidest thing I ever said, probably. But uh, anyway, tell, telling on myself now, you guys probably forgot about all that in the archives, but uh, definitely didn't have the listeners we have now. <laughs> no. But, I mean, just two years ago, Fachi, 91% from the free throw line, 57% from two, 41% from three. That's under Ime Udoka. Joe Mazzula comes in and kind of changes things up. The The entire vibe with Boston just felt off this year. Um, I know that they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. They probably should have went to the finals once again, but they just choked it away to Miami. Um, to me personally, I think that Grant Williams can play in crucial playoff games, and that matters to me, and we've seen him do it. You need guys like that on your team. I think that he can play some three if you need him to. It's not ideal, but he's only 6'7". And when I think about his perfect role, I feel like Grant Williams is going to be remembered as the P.J. Tucker of this generation of basketball players. He might end up being a journeyman, but I think he's going to end up having that toughness and grittiness to him where he can defend. He's not afraid to get in your face. He's going to knock down threes. He's just going to have to have a little bit more mental toughness. When he's at the free throw line and Donovan Mitchell is talking to him, he's going to have to be able to knock those free throws down. But I feel like everyone tried to blame him for the whole stuff that happened when Jimmy Butler kind of went off, and I think it was yeah. game two. That wasn't Grant Williams' fault. There's a lot of other things that played into that. Maybe Grant Williams woke up the beast, whatever you want to call it, but I like someone that's got a little bit of edge to him, a little bit of chippiness to him, plays with heart. Uh, I mean, guy is uh, can be a knucklehead sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Just get a little carried away. But I like someone that's going to bring a little bit of edge to this team, and there's familiarity there with Daniel Tice and Aaron Neesmith if they're still on the roster. Gotta love the familiarity with Tice. I mean, you know, it's definitely uh, back that laugh when I said that. I was yeah, laughing when I, I said it to you. The second you said that, I was like, oh, because that's number one on our list. But no, look, <laughs> I, I like Grant Williams. I do, and I and when you said buy into his role, yeah. that's something that some of the other guys, you know, may or at least the next guy on my list might not be able to. But you know, we'll see about that. But 
Grant Williams, I, I think that you could bring him in without it saying, okay, this guy truly believes that he's going to leap Jarris Walker and be the starting four for this team. There is a lot that he brings to the table. Shooting-wise, you, you nailed it. Last two years, averaging 40% from three. I think he could be a better rebounder. Plays tough. Plays tough. And when you talk about that edge, for years we've been saying this Pacers team needs edge. I think they're, you know, Benedict Mathern is bringing a little bit of that. But, like, you know, we need more of that that toughness, that edge, and a guy that wants to take on those defensive challenges, like a Giannis or a Jimmy Butler. And, and you could live with someone talking some trash. Yes, Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler responded and whatever, but at the same point, at least someone was going hard for you on defense, which at times we've seen guys run away so they don't get caught in a poster. So I, I think there's a lot to like there. Uh, real quick before you move on, yeah. you I got? just want to say this. I feel like Grant Williams is one of those players that you hate playing against. I, I but, like that. Mm-hmm. But when he's on your team, you're going to buy into him because I've seen a handful of Pacers fans on Twitter really like – shake and quiver at the thought of Grant Williams in a Pacers uniform. And I just don't get that. Like, he's not going to be breaking the bank. You're not paying $30 million to bring him in here. I think that he's very good, and he's a very solid role player, and I think he knows that. So, yeah, I I would just say this for Pacer fans that are a little bit hesitant about him. Just take a step back. Don't look at the antics. Don't look at what they try to show you on short little clips. Watch full games and see how he impacts a game. Like, him knocking down threes – in that semifinals against the Bucks was the difference maker and them getting out to an early lead. Like if, if he can knock down shots like that, Tyrese will find him. And if he can defend like he defends, he's going to be a really nice player. So yeah, I think that that would be a very smart decision by the Pacers. If they want to look at adding someone like that, I think Grant Williams makes a lot of sense. I'm sorry. You can move on now. No, no, he doesn't. Like I'm not saying he's by any means left. Lance Stevenson, but you guys do realize there's a large part of the league that does not like Lance Stevenson, right? We love him. He's ours. It's the same thing with, with other guys like, like a Draymond. Draymond's teammates, maybe not Jordan Poole, you know, then love them, but other other people playing against them might not like them. Yeah. So you always need one of those guys. Uh, now, the next guy on my list that probably is not going to buy into his role is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, Kuzi. And in a week Weaker free agent, free agency class. Kyle Kuzma looks like the shiny car that you're saying. Ooh, you know what? I don't know. I mean, I want to at least take it for a spin. Here's the thing: the asking price has me shook. I'm not paying thirty million dollars per year. No one can justify that. I do think that he is in his prime. I do think that he can give you twenty points per game. I think that he is a solid rebounder that can give you seven or eight boards per game. And when you talk about you know eight rebounds per game, well that would lead the Pacers in rebounding. But I also think that he's someone who thinks that he's better than, than, than he is, but he is also a playmaker who averaged nearly four assists per game. He could play the three. He could play the four. If the market ends up being a little bit drier than what we thought, and you could sign him closer to that $22 million range, that's more appealing. But when a guy says he wants 30, it sounds like he's probably getting at least 25 and I don't know if I want to commit a four-year, $100 million deal to Kyle Kuzma when the Pacers are, you know, really looking to, you know, bring on Jarris Walker and have cap flexibility moving forward. This just popped in my head as we were talking about him, and I was talking about him earlier, just listening to everything that we've been saying. Let me ask you this, and you can tell what me you if got? you disagree or not. Do you think he's the power forward or forward version of uh, Zach Levine? Wow. Hmm. That, that, that's, that's pretty solid. It could be. Like real, like a good player. Like I know Zach Levine was probably an all. Was he an all star before? I think he was. He has. Levine's been better, no doubt. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's kind of like the trajectory of someone like Kyle Kuzma. Like, yeah, if you pay him a bunch of money, like yeah, you put the ball in the basket. Like Zach Levine is such a like a hot and cold player. Um, can really wow you sometimes. Can hit some crazy shots. Like we've seen Kuzma do that multiple times. But it's just like, how far are you getting with this guy being like your first or second best option? No. And that's kind of what I feel like when I think about Kyle Kuzma. It's like, man, if he can like buy into like what he was with the Lakers as that defensive-minded forward that plays, you know, behind Benedict, Tyrese, Miles, kind of like maybe your third option on offense, maybe even sometimes your fourth, and just focuses in on like being a defender first, then he could be much more of an impact player, in my opinion. But I just feel like uh the way he's going and the way I think he views himself, like if the Wizards bring him back on like a, you know, a pretty good contract 
like a four-year deal where he's making like 25 to 30 a year, uh, 30 million a year, it would be smart for the Wizards to retain the asset, not lose it for nothing. But at the same time, if he thinks he's the man in Washington, I, I just get like Zach Levine vibes all over. Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma mm. on the same team is the most empty stats I've ever heard of. I just don't think that that would relate to winning at all. Um, you know, hey, we, we've heard that there could be, uh, you know, like a Sacramento that could be interested in Kuzma. But to your point, I think that it makes a lot of sense for, um, you know, for Kuzma to be playing a different type of role, a dialed back role. When he was in, in, in the Lakers, it was known. It was like, dude, you're not the one, you're not the two. At times, you might be the three, you know, scoring option. If he goes to the Pacers, I just feel like, sure, there's, there's, you know, it's always going to be one ball to go around, but you want to be able to get Matherin fed. You want to be able to get Turner his touches. I just feel like Kuzma's going to be looking to score, and that's not really what we need right now. We need more defense, and we know he can provide some, but that's why I got him at, at number four on my uh, – number. Four, number four, four on my list, and you had him at number seven. Yeah, so for me, number four, I'm going to keep it moving here. I've got Biggie Smalls. He was the 42nd overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. He just won a championship with the Denver Nuggets. I'm going with six foot four point guard, small forward, and shooting guard Bruce Brown Jr. You're thinking to yourself, why would the Pacers want another undersized guy like this? Here's why: this guy's a winner, and he can defend his butt off. And he shot the ball decently well this year. 36% from three could be a little bit higher. But I'm just telling you, when he played in those games against uh, all the teams that he went up against in the playoffs, like when he was out there, like you could just feel his impact. Denver can only offer him so much. A lot of other teams that he's been linked to are teams that have the full mid-level exception, which is about 12 to $13 million a year. The Pacers can offer him more than that, seeing that they have $32 million. And if they want to finagle some more uh ways to get a little bit more cap space to bring them in, they can make some trades to teams that have cap space if that's something another team would be interested in doing. So I think that Bruce Brown Jr. is an instant winner for this team, helps kind of like just add more edge to us. I think that he can still be a bench player. I don't think he has to come in and start. Um, I, I think he could be very nice in that second unit. Um, him and Jairus Walker together would be very fun to watch defensively. You throw Nimhard in that mix with Miles Turner and watch out. This is a better defensive team instantly. So I feel like he's much more affordable than a guy like Austin Reeves, um, even though Austin Reeves uh, <laughs> and him are probably similar. I, I would say Austin Reeves is better, but um, yeah. I just think with Austin Reeves being from L.A., it's going to have a bigger market for him. But Bruce Brown, I think, is going to have significant impact in the NBA, and I feel like he's more realistic uh, 26 years old, Faji will fit in perfectly with this Pacers core age wise. Um, yeah, I, I just like the fit a little bit of an older guy when he got drafted, he was 22 when he got drafted, played his first year at Detroit. Um, they could be in their team that has interest in him, but yeah, I just, I've liked him for a long time and I just think he makes sense for this Pacers team. Man, this, this dude, he's, he's going to have suitors and I, you know, it's not like he's expecting to get this, this big, big contract, but he is expected to get right around, you know, $12 million per year. And I think the Nuggets, yeah, they, they said, I don't know if they really mean it, Mike Malone, cause I know he had a couple uh, adult beverages uh, during that celebration, but he was saying, you know, Brucey B ain't going nowhere, all this, but you know, they addressed players in the draft that I think probably are his replacement. Um, I, I, I liked him when he went to Brooklyn. That's when he really got on my radar as like, this guy's a really good defender. Mm. And it was kind of crazy to hear that he didn't really have a market last year. Um, I It kind of pains me to say this was the first guy to not make my list because I just, I look at this team and I hate the congestion that we have right now to be like, where can we get him playing time? And who does, who does that take away from uh, that couple with the six foot four and as to have, yeah, like, oh man, you know, on ESPN listed as a small forward, but at six foot four feels a little bit short. Probably playing more at the guard spot. If the Pacers didn't have so much congestion, there's easily a spot for him. And they could clear that up. Mm. I think that he would make the Pacers a better team. No doubt about it. We need help defensively. That's exactly what he would bring. And he's been an accurate player in this league. So uh, I, I could definitely see the fit. I was just say this. Shot 54.8% from two last year. Playing with Jokic. Like Jokic opened up so much more for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, two years ago in Brooklyn, he almost shot 60, uh, 60% from two. 
I just think that, you know, he's a guy that knows how to cut and get open and guys that are really good at finding cutters like that, like a Jokic, Halliburton's one of those guys in this league. He's going to be able to find people. Uh, the no look passes is pretty much all Tyrese does anymore because he just sees the court so well. I think you would fit. And, and, and to your point about the congested roster, like, I feel like a lot of the congestion is a lot of mid players as well. It is. And that's the, and that's the thing. You're going to have to cut some ties. You're going to figure things out. And personally for me, if you can bring in some talent like this, you figure it out with the rest of the guys that aren't as talented. Uh, If you think he's better than buddy, if you think he's better than Duarte, if you think he's better than uh, TJ McConnell, whatever, you just got to find a way to get him on the court because if they're that talented and that important to your team's success, then you got to find places for these other guys to go. And I think, you have to be a little bit aggressive maybe to get him here and outbid some other teams because that's like the big thing. I think there might be a team that's like kind of sneaks in. Like I put him as a potential person to go to OKC because I can see OKC being like keyed in on a guy like this, have a little bit of cap space, make a little bit of a run at him that maybe other teams can't afford him at. And like he could fit in perfectly with what they try to do. But this is positionless basketball. You just get guys like this on your roster and figure it out. I think you just have to consolidate the roster. But if you can get a talent like this and he's instantly better than players you have on your roster already, sorry, move on and get the better get the better talent. Yeah, speaking of OKC, they have $16.6 million in cap space at this moment, so they obviously can sign him. You know, that puts them at uh, the eighth, uh, I believe, seventh most uh, salary cap space in the league. So they could definitely be in the running for that. And that's the thing, Alex. I'm not trying to personally pack bags on this Pacers team, <laughs> but we got to make a move already because it has me thinking, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? I don't know. But defense is what we need to address, and some of the guys that we would be sending out are not known for the defensive capabilities. I'll leave it at that. Mm, uh, absolutely. Next on my list, this is more of where we start to get. Uh, it's most likely not going to happen but the Pacers do have salary cap space to spend, and that's Jeremy Grant. Okay. Jeremy Grant, I see going back to Portland. Dame's kind of making it known, hey, look, here's my dream list. Sign Jeremy Grant, maybe sign, you know, Draymond Green. You know, that's what I want. Jeremy Grant could play the three. He could play the four. He's 29 years old, six foot eight. This guy could defend. He could score. I think that he's someone that has been on our radar for a, a while. Now, I don't, I think, Here's the thing. I think he would be heading back to Portland on a four-year deal, which I don't feel comfortable with because I know that that last two years or so would kind of be like thinking, yeah, he's not really the same player. But if there's an opportunity for the Pacers to maybe front load this deal early on, that would be interesting. Um, it's coming off a season in which he averaged you know, for the last three years, he's averaged about, about 20 or more. Um, and just, just a good overall player can give you about a block and a steal per game from three-point land, shot 40%. A lot to like, but I don't see it happening. That's why I couldn't put him any higher. Yeah, um, I will. I will save Jeremy Grant. I think our top three are the same, but I think they're in different Good. orders. I, based on what we've said so far, I think it's in different orders. Um, this is for me number three. I'm just gonna not say anything about Jeremy Grant. I'll talk about him when he gets there. Okay. But uh, for me number three, I've got Harrison Barnes. All right. This has been a name that's been heavily rumored to us as somebody that me and you both think makes a lot of sense for our team. He's 31 years old, Fachi. Uh, he just turned 31 in May. So, you know, he's right in between us age-wise. You know, I'll be 31 in August. You just turned 31 last November, right? Yep. So you'll be 32 this year. So we're uh, we're getting right old. there. Old. We are getting old, Fach. It's what makes us feel great about doing this podcast, talking about these guys being old <laughs> and they're our age. I know. It's like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yep. But, yeah, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say this. First time I realized this, but Harrison Barnes is from Iowa. Oh, Tyrese yeah. Halliburton played at Iowa. So, you know, don't know if the the small, the mid-market or the, yeah, the mid-market, I guess you could say, you know, middle, uh, you call it Midwest. Why am I struggling to say that? My God, the Midwest of America, man, that's where Indiana's at. And I think that they're very familiar with that. Went to UNC, obviously went to Golden State, went to Dallas, played for Rick Carlisle, and then he's been with the Kings and they just had a really nice thing. We talk about Harrison Barnes and Nazi. I don't want to overkill it, but the the fit makes sense. Played with Tyrese, played under Rick, played with Buddy Heald. He can play small forward. He can play power forward. I think that he could be a great mentor for a guy like Jairus Walker. You know, I think a two year deal makes a ton of sense if he'll be able to if he'll be be willing to sign it and then hit that last year or that last big contract when he's thirty three years old. 
and try to get like a three or four year deal done then. But, you know, Harrison Barnes, I don't know what the Kings are going to do. They could bring him back. He's been in the league for 11 years. Just really is a nice stopgap power forward, small forward for us. Moving forward, we need help there a lot. I thought he was really good for Sacramento last year. The numbers, uh, you know, 15 points, four and a half rebounds. Would love to be more than that, but shot 37% from three, uh, about an 85% free throw shooter, uh, effective field goal percentage of 55.6, which is, you know, four percentages higher than his career number. So I just feel like with Harrison Barnes, this is a guy that fits seamlessly with his team. And at the end of the day, everybody that's talking bad about the Pacers going out and getting Harrison Barnes, I'm sorry, but you just don't understand basketball. Harrison Barnes is a very good basketball player. Uh, he's not an all-star or anything like that, but he instantly raises the floor of your team. Every team's not going to win a championship. There's 29 teams that don't. The Pacers are not ready to start winning championships right now based on the roster they currently have. But this guy helps you get to the playoffs where you can get the guys that are going to be a part of that hopeful championship run someday some experience. And I love how we saw Harrison Barnes mentor a guy like Keegan Murray in his rookie season. I think he could be very beneficial for Jairus Walker. And sometimes, you know, we overthink it, but every team is trying to get better and win. He makes your team better. Even if he's not going to win a championship, well, no, duh. Not everybody's going to help you win a championship, but this guy's going to help you win basketball games. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot was very well said there. I do have him higher on my list. I so, so at this point, you know, I'm not going to spoil it all, but I just want to say that I am in very much agreement with you. And I'll uh, I'll tell you why in a little bit. All right, give me and, your number two. And number two, I have Cameron Johnson. Yep, we have the same now, number two. I'll, I'll tell you why. Look, I'm intrigued. When you think of Cameron Johnson, you're thinking of a stud three point shooter. Cameron Johnson is a, I don't want to call him an underrated shooter, but he is a really really good three point shooter. Going through the season as a rookie, 39 percent from three. Uh, second year, 35 percent. Then 42 and a half. Before we got traded with Phoenix, 45 and a half. And then with Brooklyn, shot 37%. So averaged out to shoot, you know, just over 40% last year. And for his career, he's over 39% from three. Uh, I do think there is more to his game. We saw that when he got traded to Brooklyn, took on a bigger role, um, you know, averaged 16.6 points per game, about five rebounds per game, 47% from the field. Uh, he had some big scoring outbursts at times. And, uh, you know, he's going to have his suitors. We have heard that there are teams that are interested in Cameron Johnson. I'm happy to know that Phoenix likely won't. I mean, not Phoenix. Um, the Jazz likely will not be one of them after trading for John Collins. But Detroit is rumored to be in the mix for Cameron Johnson. He could play the three. He could play the four at six foot eight. And while drafted, um, you know, in his later years, as we could say, he's still just 27 years old. So by most means, this should be his prime. I think that he fits real well with this Pacers team to the point where you're not going to have this worry of, Hey, you know what? If you start him at the four, what happens to Josh Walker? You could start him at the three. You could still have Walker at the four. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cameron Johnson's number two on my list too. And part of the reason why I just feels like it's going to be hard to get him. You're going to have to basically use almost all of your cap space money that yep. you have to, to get him in here. And there's going to be teams that, are I think a little bit uh, more more suitable for him. Brooklyn number one. I think Brooklyn is definitely going to try to retain him. Yes, agreed. I also think that Monty Williams in Detroit will actively pursue him because he loved Cameron uh, mm -hmm. Johnson. Monty Williams did so. To me, those are the two front runners to get him. Uh, definitely a guy that I think could be in the play for the Pacers here. So would love his fit. I would say the only concern I have with him, Flatchy, and this might be some of the Pacers have a concern as well. The most games he's played in a season is 66. So he's been a little bit injury prone, had a really rough injury last year, was able to come back from it. Um, I, I think he's a good player. I really do. Fits the timeline perfectly. Only 27 right now is about the same age as Miles Turner. I think they're actually born in the same month, 1996 March. So, they're the same age. It makes a lot of sense with what's going on there. But, yeah, I, I feel like he was drafted uh, a little bit earlier than people expected him to be drafted. surprising. Yeah, maybe uh, Jed Howard will have the same kind of 
uh, career because of the the same reactions we gave him. But no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, man, I, I like Cam Johnson a lot. I think he's a really good player and would love to see him in a Pacers uniform. But once again, it does not feel super realistic, but I still think talent-wise he's better than Harrison Barnes. So that's why I put him at number two because I think if they could get one of these two guys, I would rather have Cameron Johnson just based on the actual fit. Yeah, no, and look, the the injury thing was something that I tweeted about the other day uh, because they do believe that Cameron Johnson will be in that roughly $25 million range, likely to be somewhere around four years, $100 million. However, things could change. I mean, Detroit has, they have the cap space to offer more. So they could force the Nets' hand to be like, ah, you know what? I just don't know if I could match a deal upwards of $25 million per year. Um, But he's had those knee injuries, meniscus injuries before and it does worry me for a Pacers team that has taken flyers on players that have been hurt before and then have been stuck holding the bag in the end so that is why I had him at number two which means that number one on my board is Harrison Barnes I'm (laughs) going to tell you why look I think there is mutual interest we've talked about before the ties with Carlisle the ties with Halliburton um, yeah, play to Buddy Heald for whatever that's wor- worth. You know, we'll see if that factors in long term. But this Pacers team needs a veteran who can play now. I'm not saying he's David West, but what I'm saying is I think he could have a David West type of impact of being that veteran to help get this Pacers team to the next level. And one of the reasons why I was low on Cameron Johnson is the injuries. Well, that's part of the reason why I'm high on Harrison Barnes. Alex, look at this. Nine times in Harrison Barnes' career, he's played 72 games or more. Mm. Nine. The last two years, last year, he started all 82 games. The previous year, started all 77 games that he played. And it's just, this man has stayed healthy. He's played 81 games at least three different times. You don't see that. And he still is very good. You know, average 15 points per game, 47% from the field. He's been a really good three-point shooter for his career, about 38%. Now, here's the thing. What sways me on this is I'm not interested in Harrison Barnes on a four-year deal. Mm -hmm. I am interested in a two-year deal that fits the timeline of this team. When you look at Miles Turner being signed for two more years, you look at, you know, Halliburton's extension is then, you know, it's, it's kicked in. You look at the fitting that, okay, hey, you know what? I don't feel good about the if there was two remaining years on top of those two years for Harrison Barnes. If the Pacers can make it work front-loaded on a two-year deal, maybe it is 20 to $25 million per year on a two-year deal. I feel good with it knowing how else are you going to spend $32.2 million. And then let's look at it. Buddy comes off the books next year at right about close to $19 million. Tice will be off the books. That's that's $10 million there. And then you start to enter that range of TJ McConnell is getting towards the end of his contract. And there are yeah. other pacers. So the books can still remain clean. If you're talking about a four-year deal at around $25 million per year for Harrison Barnes, that changes everything. Yeah, I think one of the things, too, to add on to that, like Jordan Morris' contract, he'll be up for uh, free agency. And then there's other ones, obviously, like Duarte and Isaiah Jackson could become restricted free agents if you don't want to. Dylan Smith bring them back. Jalen Smith has a uh, player option. So he'll play option, that. but two years from now, I'm saying. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think he's got a player option that final year. Um, one of the things about this whole thing, and I talked about this with Rhett. I know you weren't on that podcast. So I'll just reiterate it here for you with Harrison Barnes. The two-year deal makes a lot of sense to me because if their eyes are really on OG and Anobi, OG and Anobi could pick up his player option at the end of this season and play one more year. And then they're both, unrestricted free agents at the same time which would then give you that ability to go out and get him at the same time if og opts out right and he's uh, a free agent next year then you could potentially have og and harrison barnes together with jairus walker now that's a pretty solid front court the big thing though you have to remember all those people are coming off the books next year between tice with his team option buddy healed and the other guys gotta remember tyrese's max is going to kick in and if they extend aaron neesmith now you're talking about where's the extra money going to be going. So you're going to have to try to be smart about how you finagle all this stuff if OG and Obi is the target that you want. So I think that that still would be a very realistic target for the Pacers. 
in a couple of years, either this year or next year. But that's why I think they want to trade for him because getting his bird rights is huge. And we saw that OG did change agents, uh, drop clutch. He just changed agents a couple of days ago on Monday. So to me, that is telling of what Miles Turner did when he dropped his agent uh, to negotiate a little bit better. So, you know, clutch, they've got their moments, but I think it was a smart move by OG and a lot of fans that were replying said he wants out of Toronto. So the Raptors want to run it back from everything I've heard. And maybe OG's just like, get me out of this. And I think if Fred Van Vliet goes somewhere else, it could make a big difference. And that's where I think the Pacers could still be suitors for a guy like OG, even if they bring in Harrison Barnes. So that's what I get excited about just a little bit. Hey, all great points there. It makes a lot of sense. What the Pacers also can do, think about this, $32.2 million. You might only look to sign one guy unless you make other moves. The Pacers can front load year one of that deal and 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 they could overpay him on paper for that first year and then have it go down year two still enabling them to create that money to sign og and and to your point on neesmith hey they'll wait and see what happens with neesmith i hope that he could not only duplicate what he did last year but also improve so i think there is a way for them to work this out we saw how crafty they got front-loading miles miles turner's contract hopefully they could do the same with harrison barnes yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's that's how it can be crafty. They they have a lot of different options here to to do that. And I think would a three year deal be a, a no deal for you with Harrison Barnes? It's I would like to then see what's guaranteed in year three, because then maybe he could be a trade chip if it's only say that that third year is only maybe half guaranteed or, yeah, or maybe yeah, only ten guarantees. million dollars. I would not want to guarantee that third year a four year deal. I, I'm really not that interested. Yeah, I think Harrison Barnes could be a nice trade chip as well, um, whether it's a two-year deal or three-year deal. But anyway, uh, I just like him as a stopgap here. I, I honestly, like, Agreed. if I'm looking at, like, what I think is most likely to happen, I think he's the guy that's most likely to happen. So do I'm I. Just, I'm just saying I didn't put a number one on my list because I think these two guys ahead of him have more talent and would make us an instantly better team than Harrison Barnes. And that's why Jeremy Grant is number one for me, Flachie. Uh Rightfully so. You, you can't deny the talent there. He shot... Uh, 52% last year from two, shot 40% from three, 20.5 points per game. I mean, this guy's a really good basketball player. Uh, the assist numbers, he's he can handle the ball a little bit, which I like about him. He can play the three or the four. He's really good defensively. I, I think he really, you know, getting traded from OKC to Denver was one of the best things that happened to him because it kind of put him on the map. Detroit overpaid for him, but, you know, Portland got him on a pretty, you know, cheap price. Uh, yeah. The value wasn't as high as people thought, but – you know, I still think Chicago probably should have dipped their toe in that uh, pool a little bit to put them with Vooch and Levine and DeRozan just to see what it could have been. Because at this point, like Patrick Williams, I think the idea of him has been better than the actuality of him too. So, you know, they wouldn't trade Patrick Williams, who everybody was super high on. But, you know, I still like Patrick Williams. I'm just saying Jeremy Grant's still very good. And he's not that old. I, I mean, what is he, 29 years old? 29. So mm-hmm. he's, he's still in his prime. Um, like you said, it doesn't seem realistic for him to come to the Pacers out of all the teams just because he's probably trying to win now. Portland makes a ton of sense, and they're probably going to overpay to keep him. But his uncle's Horace Grant, <laughs> you know. Um, he's got two brothers, Jaron and Jer- uh, Jirai. Uh, dad's Harvey Grant. But I'm just saying, like, this is a guy that is a good basketball player. Basketball's in his family. We've talked about him before as a guy that this make would make a lot of sense for this team. I think Jeremy Grant is the best power forward free agent on the market right now for the Pacers Definitely. if they're looking at overall talent. Um, don't think he's going to end up being the guy, but if, if they can get their hands on him, that's a steal for me. If the Pacers can somehow get Jeremy Grant, even if it's a four-year deal, I'd do it because he can play the three. And yeah. he's young enough that he's only 29. By the time the contract's ever be 33, and you can play Jairus next to him, I think it just gives you a lot of optionality. No, I completely agree. He, he is that one guy that you could say, all right, you know what? The Pacers have the money. They they could spend. I mean, do do I see him as like an all star? I I don't know. He's one of those guys that in the right situation could be on the cusp of that. But also the reason why I had him lower is just because I don't think Portland's letting him out of their sight by any means. And I do think they are going to pay top dollar for for Jeremy Grant. And I I do I think talent wise, he's the player that does deserve to be at the top of this list, factoring in right now, his age, everything of that sort. Absolutely. All right. Just to wrap this up, go through one more time and read me your list from 10 to 1. 
All right. At the 10th spot, I have Matisse Thibault. At number nine, I have Jalen McDaniels. At number eight, I have Trey Lyles. Number seven, Grant Williams. Number six, Ruby Hachimura. Number five, PJ Washington. Number four, Kyle Kuzma. Number three, Jeremy Grant. Number two, Cameron Johnson. And number one, Harrison Barnes. All right, for me, number 10, George Niang. Number nine, Jalen McDaniels. Eight, Austin Reeves. Seven, Kyle Kuzma. Six, PJ Washington. Five, Grant Williams. Four, Bruce Brown Jr. Four, uh, three, Harrison Barnes. Number two, Cameron Johnson. And number one, Jeremy Grant. This was a lot of fun to kind of go through and talk about some of these players. And, you know, we probably didn't put a lot of like, you know, lower kind of tier guys on this list because you know with this much money there's a lot of different options for the pacers here and guys that could target so maybe maybe by you know next week sometime if we figure out what their roster kind of looks like we could look at some other potential names like a top five like you know like an O'Shea set era like that kind of group yeah. of players you know third string guys that could be nice flyers but um with that being said Faji, i think it's time to wrap this one up go ahead let people know where they can find us at on social media Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they could check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, have no fear. We will upload YouTube videos soon, I promise. This week has just been hectic for me. Um, I'm going to be out of town shortly. So uh, that's why I've not been able to upload any of the videos yet. I haven't had time to edit, but. You know, we're on youtube.com slash send the pace of pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. But Bachi, if you're ready to scream and shout and sing all about and cheer loud and proud for the Indiana Pacers, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com